Hello, welcome to the Scott Gooding Project Podcast. Each episode, I'll chat openly with someone passionate about what they do and have a vision for our future. The project is designed to be thought-provoking and hopefully spark conversation about optimizing health and performance. This episode, I sit down with Josh Sparks, founder and CEO of Thrive. I've known Josh for about five years and find his quest for knowledge and lust for life incredibly infectious. I hope you enjoy the show. Right, I think we're on, Josh. I think we're live. Great. Welcome to the show. Uh, Josh Sparks, founder and CEO of Thrive. Thanks for having Um, me, Scotty. You're very, very welcome, mate. um, Before we start, I just want to set the scene, as I do with every episode. We're sitting here in your... In your lounge in Wikoko? North Koko, yeah. North Koko, with a beautiful view over the ocean. It's pretty special here. It is very special here. Sadly, someone else owns it. Ah. We are tenants. Okay. <laughs> but very grateful we're tenants. All, we're all right for the next couple of hours. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There's no imminent eviction that I'm aware of. No, it is a very special spot. We feel incredibly lucky to live here. It's right on the, the headland, so there's nothing between us and the water, but but um, scrub, uh, sort of, you know, a nature reserve on the headland, and then it's the ocean. It's a, an amazing spot. Yeah, I think, I think to have that kind of view each and every day kind of grounds you a little bit you know what I mean you're not you're not facing another tower block or I think it's kind of special yeah I, look, honestly I think we're really going to struggle to go and be staring at neighbours through the window mm. again so unless we might just hot. Have, oh, obviously <laughs> of course that's a, that's an exception for all rules <laughs> unless they're hot um, uh, we will not give you a no um, so anyway so the this view is I think really difficult to give up it is incredibly grounding every day so we're, we're sort of thinking we might have to move further out of the city if we have to move from here but um that's a nice you know it's a bit well, of sh- on, it's a champagne the, problem on the northern beaches yeah like I, north. yeah i think so that is yeah. a champagne problem it is a, it's what we call a <laughs> first world problem on um, beach dolls oh no, no, no. oh god how awful how awful so but, josh we've known each other for i don't know five or six years and there's lots of parallels that i see in you in me so we're of similar age um 25 it's 25 26 yeah. uh fanatical well not fanatical about our health but fanatical in researching about optimizing our health i guess and we both train we're both single dads and then the uh similarities kind of peel off because you're a successful ceo and you've proved yourself a number of times and you've just got married to a, a hot swedish girl yeah <laughs> <laughs> Um, the, the parallels are are, are real uh, for sure. So, so I think in terms of of our shared passion for health and wellness, and you know, without wanting to sound um, or woo woo about it, being pretty committed to helping people on their journey. Um, mm. You know, it's not just about my personal journey or your personal journey. It's about what we can leverage from everything we've experienced ourselves, but learnt um, more broadly from the community and how we can uh, help other people on their journey. Yeah, so I get. I guess for some of you who are unfamiliar with Thrive, they're a, first and foremost a, a retail restaurant outlet, and you've got nine, ten stores. Ten, yeah. Do you want to do you want to give yeah, a little sure. sort of yeah so top look, line our, our little brief blurb? So our, at Thrive, our mission is to make extraordinary health deliciously simple. So what we talk and that really guides everything that we do. So we're we're science led. Um, we're as Scotty mentioned, we're we're big believers in in understanding the research, but also making it very simple and very accessible and very easy for our customers. So we're I'm very conscious, having been told to shut up at many dinner parties, <laughs> that not everyone is as obsessed with this stuff as I am. Yeah. So 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 we we see that there's a real problem to solve for in making high 
high performance nutrition, more accessible, um, delicious first and foremost, but really simplified and demystified. So we, we chose to launch in uh, retail environments in um, uh, fast casual and quick service restaurant locations, places like Martin Place um, in Sydney, uh, you know, Westfield Pitt Street, Emporium in Melbourne, so on. So big high traffic locations that gave us the opportunity to understand the customer and really what she or he was looking for in an offer like ours. Uh, I mean, when we first launched, I had no idea whether it was going to be a breakfast business, a lunch business, a smoothie business. We, you know, I, I felt that there was an opportunity to bring this yummy, um, very high performance nutrition at an accessible price point to the wider market and to do it in a really authentic way mm. that, you know, not call it healthy, but then pack it full of, you know, sugary yogurt or, uh, you know, call it healthy, but dress the salad in a industrial oil with added sugars. And so it really genuinely from start to finish provide something that was, you know, authentically healthy. So we, we kind of felt there was a problem to solve for there. And, and that's, I guess, the, the starting point in any entrepreneur's journey. But to what extent people were going to want food or smoothies or coffee or breakfast or lunch, we just didn't know. So the idea of moving into retail was to build the brand first and foremost and build a community around the brand. And it gives us an, a very intimate connection with the customer where I mean, quite literally, I, you know, for the first 18 months, I was working in front of house. And even now, you know, two or three times a week, I'll make sure I'm in the restaurants talking to customers because they're, they're telling us exactly what we're doing right. And they're telling us exactly what we're doing wrong. And so that's, um, that's pretty hard to beat. You can't get that through wholesale, for example. Um, but through other channels, wholesale and e-commerce, uh, we see an opportunity to take what we're doing to a broader audience. Um, you know, for, for us to do um, retail restaurants, they're very expensive. Uh, the rent is horrendous and they're very labor intensive. So we need high volume environments to even break even, let alone make money. And that's been, a, that's been a pretty vicious learning. There's locations where we make money. There's locations where we lose money. So looking at what that means for retail expansion, we know exactly what we need to find with retail. Um, and that's the good news. Um, the bad news is that in a population of 25-odd million, there's mm. not that many locations that make mm. sense. So you've got the CBDs and you've got airports, which we haven't been able to break into yet, and then a couple of locations in every city outside of the CBD. And that's kind of it. So that's not a massive business opportunity. Um, uh, on the flip side, if you look at uh, what we're doing through Woolworths Metro with the ready meals that are built on exactly the same menu promise as everything we do in store. In fact, you design them. <laughs> so you may know. It is my show, so let's yeah. uh, give me some full, credit. Full, full disclosure, <laughs> Scott has designed all the ready meals, which are doing really well. Um, via Woolworths Metro locations and also direct-to-consumer, the e-commerce business, we can get to more people faster and we can do it in a way that is not as capital intensive or as labor intensive meaning that we can actually afford to grow faster mm. so um so that's the you know to use the cliche of our times it's a it's an omni-channel strategy mm. um i'm channel agnostic to roll out another cliche of business at the moment um i, I can't i think the customer will decide um in terms of which channel wins and what kind of offer works best within that channel yeah and the, that channel the going to tell can us. evolve too like absolutely. it could be the right channel tomorrow but absolutely. not necessarily the day after absolutely it's and changing we, yeah and not only the, does the channel change but i guess attitudes and you as the decision maker will have to adjust and react accordingly to different attitudes in, in diet and lifestyle you know like i can i know when you set up you were very much entrenched in paleo. Yes. 
and and as was I, we were sort of knee deep in yeah. sweet potato mash. And yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I think you've evolved with modern current research and uh, responded to market. So how do you feel that evolution has been for the consumer? What, what have they picked up, lost, um, and what's sort of stuck along the way? What has been like the true and tried and tested sort of um, things that have reflected since the last few years? Yeah, it's a great question. I think the, first and foremost, the, the, uh, the field of nutritional research or the field of nutritional science is a relatively young branch of science. And I think like many of us that came to paleo when we did, you know, in 2006, 2007, um, when I first started reading about paleo, it, it felt so incredibly logical and rational. Mm. I think the temptation was to believe that it was the end point of all research. Mm. There were going to be no new discoveries yeah. in nutritional science. Um, for me, it was like, Einstein's big bang or you know in geography continental drift like okay we're done yeah, now we, yeah, move we, on. we have the paradigm yeah. we've, we've sorted out the paradigm and everything is now going to occur within this box within this paradigm and of course as we have discovered the, the, the world moves forward and there's really kind of two aspects to the research that have been influential, highly influential on me one some of the more what you might call or what the mainstream media is called extreme aspects of paleo have really been thoroughly unpicked by some pretty big brains and um, there's some nuance that I would call like the last 5%. Um, I think the first 90-95%, there's a lot of commonality between proponents of the med diet, the paleo diet, the primal diet, and even certain um, uh, aspects of the vegetarian community. Uh, I mean, they will choose vegetarian proteins, not animal proteins. But in terms of the idea that we should be eating you know, real food, unprocessed food, it should be mostly plants. Mm. And to the extent that uh, that we can, we shouldn't overeat. You know, We mm. should portion control and be careful. Now, so those, those are common to all those very popular and very well researched nutritional um, uh, what, what's the protocols for mm. a better word um, so that's more kind of uh, research that we have been persuaded by and influenced by that is obviously external to us the other thing is that I've done a bunch of genetic testing on myself. So, um, you know, I, I have um, the genetic muta mutation that allows for extremely efficient processing of lactase. So I, I tolerate dairy really well. Now, uh, highly processed, you know, commercial dairy, particularly low-fat dairy, I wouldn't touch with a barge pole, but high-fat dairy from a uh, an ethical source is something that I'm really delighted to add back into my yeah, diet right. because yeah. it's a, it's a, I find it really good for me. Now, I'm, I'm fairly lean naturally um, I think if I was trying to lose fat I'd be I'd be cautious around the growth factors in dairy uh, but I use it post-workout as like a poor man's performance enhancing mm. drug I, 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 I think it's a really important point like it, it's 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 crucial if you're if you're invested in optimal health to use your own body as a case study absolutely and you embrace that with <laughs> with great gusto <laughs> yeah. so I've done a heap of genetic testing um, well two rounds of genetic testing not a heap but two, two separate companies and then in terms of blood testing every three months I have a comprehensive panel which is um, all the, the Medicare the Australian public um, medical system standard blood panel but then I get some extra endocrine work done and some more detailed HDL LDL um, subfraction and oxidization yeah, right. so every three months every three months yeah and it's because I'm a complete nerd so if I'm changing something in my lifestyle for, for me i am a complete nerd like let's mm. be honest but i do the same thing with the business in fact
fact, the way we track our performance in the business is week in, week out. And the level of reporting I expect from my business every three months is vastly more extensive than my blood panel, for example. <laughs> um, my car, I take really good care of. It gets serviced every six months. I guess not every three. But I'm, I'm, I'm 18 months beyond the service. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's another similarity. Yeah. Pulled apart. Changed change, uh, yeah. paths there. I went left, you went right. But, but my point being that it, there's nothing more important to us than our health. It is the single greatest investment you can possibly make is understanding your 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 health. And with that there are um, universal aspects to our, uh, obviously we're, we're the same species. Um, in terms though of where we've come from and our particular heritage uh, and the genetic makeup that results in that, there's some really interesting nuances. So, um, you know, I mentioned lactase. I'm a, um, on the flip side, I have the mutation that means that I process caffeine very slowly. So I get a lot of bang for my buck on yeah, caffeine, right. yeah. <laughs> but I have to be careful with intake. So that is, I didn't know that. So I've adjusted my caffeine regimen accordingly. Um, well, most of the time, not today, actually. <laughs> it's, Josh, Josh is actually levitating at the moment. <laughs> um, it, I, I know this is, a, is for me that this real investment in health has come at a, I guess the older I get, the more cognizant I am of, of wanting to be as healthy as I can be for as long as I can be. I've always trained, I've always tried to eat healthy, but arguably I'm healthier now than I was when I was 20. So has that, have you followed a similar path in that you were kind of a bit more reckless when you were younger and then you got to a point where you're like, oh fuck, I'm, getting, I'm not getting any younger. Yeah. Maybe I need to think a bit smarter, train a bit smarter, maybe incorporate some smart supplementation Is absolutely that, or have you always been no 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 so so i think i've always been interested at, um the, the intersection of athletic performance and nutrition and supplementation is something I've always been interested in but really until my mid-30s when I kind of started to get a bit fat um, and it, typically it is ego and vanity that hits us first um, uh, unless we're subject to some sort of health crisis but fortunately that wasn't the case for me so I, I, I thought up until my mid-30s when I started to notice I was putting on a bit of weight I thought it was more about training than anything else mm. so I thought I had a huge amount of wriggle room when in reality it was just youth mm. you know, my, my mm. wriggle room was <laughs> that I was young <laughs> and I had high testosterone and high growth hormone as you do when you're young yeah. so when, when they started to come off and um, all the resultant metabolic changes you know downstream from those endocrine changes that the metabolic changes started to manifest mm. in a bit of a soft belly regardless of how hard I was training yeah um, the light bulb kind of goes off at some point. Mm. So initially, I think I did what a lot of men do. It's like, okay, I need to train harder. Yeah. Right? So I need to I, run more, run do more, more volume, which probably fuels the... You get other, worse. Yeah. yeah, you end up overtrained with spike cortisol. And you know, cortisol is the, 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 the opposite to testosterone in so many ways. So your testosterone goes through the floor as your cortisol goes through the roof. And it just exacerbates all those, mm. all those changes. So a bit like you, I think I came to it as a result of noticing changes in how I looked, felt, and performed. And um, you know, we tend to solve for our own problems and those we love most first. So mm. that was you know, very much... Uh, what happened with me um, I changed what I was doing noticed the changes that it made to me and became a little bit of evangelist in terms of trying to spread the word but then it took a few more years beyond that to realize that it's it's what I wanted to do professionally it's what I wanted to commit my life to and I think that that your, your point around you know as we get older I think part of it is 
the vanity stuff, like for sure. But for me, part of it is a little bit more spiritual as well. And kind of realizing that, you know, we're not for this earth forever. Mm. And, um, you know, we have this unbelievable gift uh, at birth, this this life. And to me, it's like, you know, I was thinking about it the other day. It's like a Christmas present, right? Like you're a kid at Christmas time. You've unwrapped the best truck ever. Mm. Best Tonka truck ever. Little do you realize that one day that truck is going to break. Mm. And you don't think about it until it's broken and then it's heartbreaking. So the course of life is, you know, how well we going to take care of the Tonka truck and get the most out of it because at one point it's going to go and you're not going to have any say in it at mm. that point so if we can if we can extend health span I don't really care about lifespan like I, I'm not one of those people who wants to live forever um, I, I think at a certain point it'll be great to see what the next level looks like you know but I want to be it I want to be healthy at that point as healthy as Correct. I possibly can be. Uh, yeah for me I want to be as healthy as like yeah living till 90 or 85 doesn't interest me unless I'm healthy and I'm fit and able and... 85 or 90 sounds okay. I, yeah. I, I, was, <laughs> oh. I, I mean, I'm not just 120. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> Having said that, at 85, 120 probably starts sounding pretty good, right? Yeah, well... Um, <laughs> I'm conscious of that too. But I, I think for a lot of people, and I, I kind of fit into this category or did do for many years, that fitness was the solution to health and weight management. Whereas now, like, fitness is plays... It's an integral part of my day-to-day, but I don't see that as a solution to, to my health. In fact, the way I'm geared, I'm very prone to overtraining. So yep. I know that that actually feeds into a negative cycle. Yes. So for me, it's like 80 or even 85% of my, of my health is derived from nutrition. I believe <clears> that you can be strong, lean, amazing immunity from nutrition alone. But we have this... It's really strong attachment, not just in Australia, but across the, the world, that fitness is the solution. Yeah. Um, and there's a big industry that's driven that massive. belief. Yeah. 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 So it's great that, you know, you're a, a pivotal player in the Australian food market in terms of really trying to push that real food message. You know, there's not... When you look at a typical food court, there's not actually many that can put their hand up and say, yep... Yeah, no sugar, no processed oils. No uh, gluten-containing grains. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you should be proud of what you've done, basically. Oh, thank you. Thank you, mate. And that's that's really kind of you to say. I, I feel like uh, I, I am proud of what we've achieved, but I'm also conscious of just how far we have to go. I think I think what we've... What, what I'm proudest of, I think, is where we've succeeded in preaching to the unconverted. So I think, um, you know, early on, we were really talking to an audience that were at least as educated as we were. So they they embraced what we were doing um, pretty quickly. And that gave us a huge sense of validation. And Mm. well, it provided the financial means to to grow the business. So I'm incredibly grateful uh, for all of our customers, uh, particularly those in the early days when when most people thought we were crazy. So what's happened over the last five years or so, it's almost four and a half years now since we launched, is that the market has become more aware um, to your exact point that nutrition is... There is no single silver bullet, mm. sadly, but to the extent that you're looking for, you know, Tim Ferriss's hacks, you know, what, what is, what, what's the most powerful levers you can pull? Uh, nutrition is it. Um, mm. uh, setting aside sleep, I would say. Mm. But, um, uh, you know, assuming you're getting six and a half or seven hours or better a night... Um, what, what are you operating on? Oh. <laughs> Lower end of that range? <laughs> yeah, I reckon. <laughs> um, 
but you know, sleep's sleep's critical, and and is you know, there's all those experiments about you know, if we don't sleep for a certain number of days, we we, we die. Um, mm. You can actually go without food for longer than you can go without sleep. So yeah, sleep. Have you come across that study on rats where? They subjected a bunch of students to long-haul flights, so they experienced jet lag, so lots of multiple time zones. Yes. Got back to their origin, extremely jet-lagged. They took um, uh, stool samples injected into healthy rat specimens. Every rat that was injected with the jet-lagged microbiome or feces got obese and type 2 diabetes <laughs> wow i have not seen that yeah that's really interesting i need to look that up that's um yeah that's that that's an awesome piece of research yeah, wild so so i think sleep first but then then next cab off the rank um has to be nutrition and i think the the um the first of all we we started off talking about educating our customers like the, the honest truth is that no one likes being told what to do and it's very difficult to pose an education opportunity at retail without it sounding prescriptive and I like many people who've grown up in a free country do not like people telling me what I can and can't do so what we talk about now is more inspiration and empowerment so we we hope to provide you with um, uh, options that you find inspiring and that you're prepared to try and then through a, a process over time we want to give you the tools of empowerment to understand why we've designed the meals we have mm. what it's doing for you and how you can take the next step should you want to mm. uh, and we, we feel that that is a much more effective way than beating people mm. over the head and saying you can you can't you yeah, must if you, you, if you start being too dogmatic you're going to polarize people Absolutely. And I think once you polarize them you've kind of lost them so that kind of is reflective in my approach like I used to be when I was knee deep in, knee deep in uh, sweet potato mash in the paleo world, I used to be very uh, black and white about you know the foods that we should and shouldn't embrace. Yes, and really you know bark on about the foods that are inherently bad for our health. But what you do is like you, you polarize people. Yeah. So now I've learned, and I kind of learned the hard way, is that now when I'm speaking to people, it's a very passive approach it's yep. simply celebrating the abundance of foods that we can embrace yes and if you make that shiny and glittery and sexy and delicious enough you don't have to talk about the no others, you know what i mean no no i, I completely agree I, I think um you know going back to the whole paleo primal med thing um you know i think in australia we have been somewhat um the, the, certain personalities in the paleo community have done us a disservice by turning it into a highly prescriptive go no go uh, black white discussion mm. and i think not only is that fundamentally at odds with the science which i as a as a nerd i find uh, i find troubling but it also creates that tribal response to your point it's very polarizing and you're either in the camp or you're out now if you're selling books or you're a tv personality that's not such a bad thing um, because you want your tribe to passionately follow what you do and buy everything that you have on offer. On the flip side, if you're genuinely committed to reaching and helping the broadest mm. possible audience, it's the worst possible strategy. Mm. So I, I'm with you. I think if if um, you know if you have to, we have to distinguish. I think in the community that we're in, that we're part of, this broader health and wellness community, whether we we genuinely want to help people, mm. uh, which most people say they want to do. Or we want to build a media profile. 
And I think if we want to help as many people as we can, then we should go about it differently and respectful of people's freedom of choice and the fact that you know not everyone has the means to eat organic everything mm. and um, free range everything. Or ferment your own cabbage. Ex- ex- and- exactly. You know that that's just not the way the world works. And when you tell people that to be in the club, they have to do all that. Mm. Um, then I think that's that's a real disservice. And I think I, it's unfortunate. I, I, yeah, I think for me, like. When I'm when I'm putting together a message that's going to go on socials, or if I'm on radio, I always try and put my feet in the shoes of someone who needs the help the most. Yeah, and that might be a mother of two. She's stay-at-home mom. She doesn't go to the gym. She finds that confronting. She's never really invested in her health, um, but for whatever reason, health scare or self-motivated, she wants to make a change for her and her family. So I picture her going online and Googling best diet, best workout, right. and there'd be a plethora of yeah. responses, yeah. all ranging from good to bad and everything in between. So by putting my feet in her shoes, I kind of understand the, the guidance that she needs. So yes. You need to hold her hand or his hand and literally make really small baby steps. Yes. Because some of these people have been eating in a, cer- a certain way for 20, 30, 40, 50 yeah. years. So if you say overnight, right, you've got to stop eating this, this yeah. and this, that's really fucking con- confrontational. Like. Very confronting, very confronting. There's also cultural issues involved. I mean, you, you're often talking to people who have a cultural attachment or a familial attachment to certain foods. And so you're coming and saying, well, you can never eat pasta again and mm. you can never eat bread again. And um, that white rice or that particular soy sauce or whatever is bad. I just think... I just think that's a really dumb approach. Mm. Um, so, so I think that for cultural reasons, economic reasons, um, uh, familial reasons, uh, you, you know, you're dealing with families where there might be fussy eaters in the family. There's there's all sorts of dynamics going on that mean that the best thing we can possibly do is, to your point, say, look at this nature's abundance, mm. go crazy, mm. all of this real food, eat until you're satisfied, don't count calories, don't worry about meal times, just eat until you feel satisfied of this natural high fiber you know the phytonutrient rich vegetables mm. herbs and spices um a little bit of protein um don't overdo it you don't need to mm. um i mean happy days right yeah I, I think i think it's terry walls that has said use protein as the condiment yeah so your diet should predominantly be you know leafy greens and sulfurous uh cabbage and sorry cruciferous veggies and sulfurous veggies and yeah leafy greens yeah and then your protein be it meat or fish should be yeah. a condiment yeah and i think we've got it engineered the other way yeah currently like yeah we're, we're such a barbecue society yeah, yeah. you know the yeah. big steak lots of sausages like we consume a shitload of, of, a of lot, meat a lot of meat yeah um, and and you know i i love meat and but but we we kind of suggest two-thirds of your plate should be vegetables of some plant mm. plant nutrients of one mm. description because there's not another. one diet that I've come across that advocates less eating. veggies. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> that, that's basically the only commonality you can yeah. find between every piece of good research that's been done on, um, you know, like uh, r- randomized controlled trials. So you kind of your um, 
your, your gold standard of research. Every single one has a, a component in the outcomes or in the summary of results that suggests eating more vegetables. Yep. So I think we can pretty well tick that box with yeah. a great deal of confidence. Um, in terms of the protein, I think that um, you know we, we suggest no more than a third of the plate. And really what that means is that you know if you think of your veggies, to, to make up two thirds of your plate of veggies, that's a lot of veggies. Mm. It's a lot more than most people eat. And, uh, and I'm not talking a giant dinner plate either. I mean, that's the other thing when you say plate, you know, we're, we're talking about, you know, old school average size plate, mm. not, not the fancy ones. Everything's oversized. That, everything's oversized yeah. now. Exactly. So, so, but, but I think with the, with the pro- protein and carbohydrates, so um, I'll just talk about protein quickly first. I think it does depend significantly on your current situation and your objectives and dialing that in, you know, if you're, if you're looking to lose body fat and you're not engaging in a lot of strength training, the amount of protein that you need is around maintaining the muscle that you have. It'd be great to build a little bit more. You don't need a lot of protein. Mm. On the flip side, if you're already pretty lean and you're engaged in, you know, I'll go to the other, the other, the opposite extreme. So you're starting lean, you're not starting overweight and you're engaged in very intense strength training as opposed to very moderate levels of say walking or going for the odd swim, then you actually will need more protein to recover. But it's still probably less than you think. Yeah. Uh, so probably it, less than you're consuming. Probably less than you're getting right yeah. now. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then carbs. You know, carbs are really interesting. So they kind of be vilified by by parts of the paleo community. And there's obviously a lot of you know low carb or ultra low carb diets, um, the ketogenic diet. And we we actually have a number of dishes on our menu, both the ready meal plan and also in restaurants that are genuinely ketogenic, uh, meaning um, very low in carbohydrate, extremely low in carbohydrate. Um, on the flip side, I find again because you know I've done the, the testing on myself i benefit from a little bit more carbohydrate than i thought i did so when i went pure keto i lost i lost weight really quickly unfortunately i didn't want to lose weight really yeah. quickly and i lost when i dexa scanned it i lost um i got really lean on on fat um down to single digits but i also lost muscle and what i found is i've tweaked my carbs back up again and we're talking safe carbs like clean mm. carbs so your, your sweet potatoes your potatoes um your uh, your quinoas your rice etc etc um, when I've tweaked those back up again, I've actually put muscle on very quickly and stayed quite lean. I'm probably more like 12% body fat now, but that's that's fine. You know, I'm not I'm not looking to, you know, prance around a stage in my undies anytime soon. <laughs> Perfectly happy not with this that. this weekend. Anyway. <laughs> that's right. So how how often are you training at the moment? Uh, like three or four times a week. Yeah, right. But, but it's in not... In the gym downstairs? Yeah, in our, yeah. In our home gym. But, you know, last night I trained. I'm doing air quotes here in inverted commas. It sounds like it's a flash home gym, but... It's we not. should explain that it's, it's old school. <laughs> it's in my garage and it is an old school gym. Um, but last night, my training consisted of um, a Tabata on the ropes, the ropes, which took four minutes, and a Tabata on the, the stationary bike, which took four minutes. Yeah. So training for me is, um, uh, I, I dial it up or dial it down depending on how I'm feeling. I'm doing a strength program at the moment, which I'm loving. Um, so lots of heavy compound stuff at the start of the workout. It's, it's like the Westside Barbell Conjugate Method stuff. So strength at the start of the session and then supportive movements at the back end of the session. But I change it up every eight weeks or so. And um, I'm not, to your point before, like I'm not obsessive about the training mm. anymore. I do it because I really enjoy it. Yeah, but it's if a I'm, release. It's, yeah, it's, it's a stress, more, yeah. stress management management and and there's definitely a vanity aspect to it let's let's not pretend otherwise yeah there's a shitload of mirrors down there (laughs) (laughs) that's not true that's not true by the way dear dear listener (laughs) Uh, but it it is 
it's just fun and and it is a great little you get the little hit of endorphins it's a nice way to take stress out of my day and steph my, my well you wife surprised I, me sorry to interrupt you surprised me that you do the high intensity stuff i know you said you did the stress stuff but i know how busy and stressed you can be day to day and then you can back that up with a high intensity only once or twice a week okay yeah um the the high intensity stuff i was doing religiously at the end of every workout Mm. and it was just too much so now i do it once or twice a week and um and 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 not and not every week you know if i'm feeling run down um and it has been really stressful at work recently but i've actually been getting decent sleep which for me is kind of rare i'm just going through one of those stages where i'm I'm getting some solid sleep so i felt recovered and and wanted to do something but i had to get the kids (laughs) dinner in 15 minutes so doing a couple of tabatas was as i said like I've, i've known you for a long time and now working within the business uh i've got to know you more intimately i guess on a professional level like you can get pretty stressed like it's a big role that you have like you're the founder ceo like how do you manage or how do you not manage stress like <laughs> i uh let's <laughs> <laughs> we can Sorry. talk about this offline if you like. <laughs> Well, marijuana, obviously. Uh, yeah. No. Um, so, so what? Are you going to pass that? Or? <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, so, so I, I have a, I have a theoretical program, and then I have kind of what I actually do. So, right. so, so what I know I should do, and what I do not as often as I, as I should, um, is meditation. And um, I, I started off deciding I was going to do it every day, twice a day, which is your classic meditation recommendation. And uh, Matt Jensen, the founder of MJ Bale, the fantastic menswear brand, actually gifted me because he could clearly see I was getting stressed. He gifted me a mantra. No, a a three-day meditation course. Oh, okay. Yeah, he sent me to a um, uh, uh, a gentleman, um, Tim in uh, in Paddington. um, That was it was fantastic. But I found that I am not a great meditator, uh, listeners. So I, I do I do my best. But what I've done in last year is taken up guitar. And we're staring at two electric guitars now. You think I'd actually know how to play having two electric guitars here? They're uh, pretty dusty. <laughs> no, that was played last night. <laughs> um, I find guitar incredibly meditative because I'm so bad. The rest of the household don't. <laughs> the neighbors don't like it. The dog doesn't like it. But but I'm I'm not at all good at it. And but it's not. So this is what's great about it. I'm not good. I'm not good at it. It's. It, I really. It's in terms of brain elasticity and all that kind of stuff. It's really engaging me. Um, I love. I, I have a, such a passion for rock and roll, and I've got my favorite bands, and I love a guitarist in the bands, and I'm a complete guitar nerd, but I can't play. So, so. But I'm not competitive about it. I'm not. I'm not in high school trying to get in the band. Yeah. You know, and I'm not. That no one cares whether I can play or not. So. It, it sort of disengages the part of me that is potentially adding to stress, which is that competitive nature where we want to do this better and we want to do that better and we want to beat the competition over there and we want to do it's this. A bit, it's a bit grounding for it's you. It's very grounding because because I'm no good at it. I know I'm no good at it. I, and the amplifier tells me just how bad I am because I can hear it at 80, 90 decibels. So, so, I, so I think managing stress for me, I've, I've tried meditation. What I've, what I've realized is that I need something a little bit more active and I'm finding guitar gives me all the benefits of meditation I'm a different person when I finish Steph my wife really? loves it when I when I do it well I guess it's a time where all you're going to think about is the music right or the strings or whatever you are it, exactly in the moment like 
Exactly. And if that serves to not think about work or other you switch stresses, off, yeah, completely. Um, it, it, honestly, I I sit down and say I'm going to practice for 20 minutes and. Um, no word of a lie I'll look up and it's an hour later and that doesn't happen with me with anything else except for work so um, I had time with Steph and the kids obviously but if I'm trying to do something like meditation and last 20 minutes to do a direct comparison um, I will go okay it's got to be 20 minutes open my eyes look at my just 7 minutes (laughs) (laughs) no way And it's an opportunity to put your leather pants on, right? Oh, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, I love that wig as well. I love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Spinal tap. Um, so, so I think something meditative works. Um, and I think uh, turning off, and this sounds so obvious, but just turning off screens um, mm. at, you know, whatever it is, 7, 7.30, 6.30, whatever I think I can get away with for that day, shutting the laptop and turning off the phone or putting it on silent and only answering calls from family mm. um, or friends are not answering work calls. I think that's, um, that's critical for me because we, we have a seven day a week business and we've got staff working in the business from four in the morning till 10 or 11 at night. And effectively, you know, they've all got my number and they've all got my email. And if something goes wrong, I'm, I'm, I t- it tends to be escalated to me pretty quickly. So you could literally work 16 hours a day, seven days a week. And for a while I tried to do that, but it's, um, I ended up with pneumonia. Uh. So that was a fairly good sign mm. that my stress management wasn't working. Something's trying to tell you something. <laughs> yeah. but, but now I actually feel it is really stressful and I do get wound up about things at work, but I, I, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel like it's something I carry home as much or if I do, I sit down and pick up the guitar. Yeah, no, to be fair, like you, you do have that ability to kind of decarb, I can't even say it, Put it, put it where it needs to be, so you don't necessarily compartmentalize. That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Too much caffeine. I, I couldn't get my highly strung lips around that way. Um, but yeah, you, you you do have that ability. Whereas I don't. Like if I'm stressed, I'm fucking stressed, and yeah. I find it very difficult to kind of shut that off for the moment and kind of deal with what's in front of me. Yeah. Like I, I'm not very good at kind of managing acute stress yes but you've also got you've got a lot of different projects on the go Mm. like you've effectively got a lot of stakeholders so um and that's a that's a different kind of stress too so i think in fairness to you you're you can solve for one problem but that that doesn't necessarily apply Mm. across all your projects yeah right so um but you know we've got multiple business streams now and um it's somewhat similar i I feel like you end up playing a lot of whack-a-mole you know Mm. you you whack one and one pops back up again but but you, you have to be a little bit you've got to be a little bit zen about it and you know stop attaching to outcomes this has been a huge one for me over the last couple of years actually We've just raised um, a $10 million fund to sort of help us with our, to fuel our next stage of expansion. And raising that money has been a big project and Mm. quite stressful. And now looking to how we efficiently allocate it so my investors get a a good return on their money is another whole set of challenges. Um, But at the same time, I I think you just have to, I'm better and and more efficient at my day-to-day job if I stop thinking about what is this going to mean in six months? What does this mean in two years? Mm. And where's the business going to be in five years? And yeah, I think a lot of that you can't control. You can't. You, but, but I can control what I'm doing right now. Yeah. So I think that to the extent that you can, stopping attaching to a specific outcome helps enormously. A, you free up a whole bunch of bandwidth worrying about things that you can't change anyway. Like I have no, no one, it, it, no one knows what the world's going to look like in five years time. Mm. So stop worrying about it. Um, secondly, the work that you do now, all that bandwidth gets applied to, to what you're doing now. So you're more focused and more in the moment. Uh, and finally, it, it, you want to enjoy the journey. 
because it might work out really well and Thrive may you know, be a really wonderful brand and a highly valued business that customers and employees love and investors get a great return or it may not. Mm. So you know, the, the idea of me worrying about that... Well, at least at that point, you can busk down at Circle Key with your new gu- guitar right. skills. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I was thinking of some alternatives, <laughs> Scotty, but thanks for bringing me back. I'll probably be alongside <laughs> you with my didgeridoo. <laughs> <laughs> that would just be a disaster. White men destroy music <laughs> down at Manly Wall. With an empty cap, you know. <laughs> I'm sure it won't come to that. No, I hope not. I hope not. But I, I, not attaching to a specific outcome makes the journey a lot more enjoyable. And typically what I found, I don't know about you, but things never work out the way you're going to expect them to. And most of the time they work out better. Yeah. So it, attaching to something is really pointless. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Um, yeah, because a, a lot of the stuff you just simply have no control over. So try and enjoy the ride while you're on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah and you, you have to, to go back to the point we were talking about earlier, you have to enjoy the ride. That's all we got. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like, like this is it, man. We get yeah. one trip around. Yeah. And so if you're not enjoying it, um, and you're getting all worked up about this outcome or that outcome, being rich, having a house, you know, helping 10,000 people change their blah, blah, blah. You can't, you can't attach to that. You can only do the best work you can do today. But I think a lot of that, embracing that comes with age and wisdom. Like, you know, I'm approaching, well, I'm in my early 40s. I'm not approaching mid-40s. But I have this real sense of, fuck, I've only got, you know, I'm halfway through my life. Um, where am I at at the moment? Okay, I'm busy and I'm happy professionally, but I'm not traveling enough. I'm not where I want to live. I'm not who I want to be with. I'm not who I want to be as well, personally. And so while you're doing all your day-to-day and you're, you're ticking all the boxes professionally in, in your career, there's all this, all this sort of pressure and angst that I feel in the background that I'm not where I want to be I want to travel more like it gives me the shits at the moment everyone's in fucking Croatia and Santorini and I've unfollowed so many people in the last three or four weeks stop posting your happiness yeah fucking hell um, so yeah I mean it's important to to enjoy the ride for sure but um, you've got to look clearly and, and I think this is where the nuance comes into it clearly I have a goal you know clearly I have mm. a dream or we wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation at the same time, I know that dream can manifest in lots of different ways that will feel great. Mm. So the idea of sketching that dream in vivid detail today is just farcical because it, it, it won't be the way I expect it to be. But it's going to be awesome. Mm. So I, and, I, and I have absolute faith in that. Whatever happens, it will be a, a wonderful journey and the outcome will be great. And then we'll move on to a new journey. So I, I think the... You know, without getting all kind of, you know, seriously woo-woo and spiritual about it, I think, you know, you have to sort of, every major religion, and I'm not particularly religious, um, I would describe myself as spiritual but not religious, but every major religion has some version of the theory that you are perfect right now, that this moment is perfect. And everything you are capable of, everything that can ever be, every dream you've ever had is, is in this moment, no different to what it would be to what it will be you're the same person now that you're going to be when that dream manifests or not so you can either wait for happiness you can wait to achieve some sort of 
outcome that may or may not happen, or you can accept exactly who you are and where you are now and go forth with a great sense of you know self-love and self-confidence and mm. self-awareness and absolutely strive for more. That That's the human nature, but don't attach to any specific outcome of that striving. Mm. You know, enjoy the process of self-improvement, enjoy the process of trying to make yourself a stronger, fitter, smarter, more curious, more imaginative, more creative person, but don't do it because that means I'm going to get an amazing job in five years time, mm. or that means that I'm going to stand up on stage and people are going to applaud me and tell me what a great mm. guy I am, you know? Like that, that I think is where ego creates a, a whole bunch of problems for us. And I think mm. there's a big difference between being confident and being, you know, proud of your accomplishments, but also humble enough to know that you're not in control of all the variables mm. and you're so not, you know, everything you thought you were going to be when you were 14, mm. but it just doesn't matter. Mm. <laughs> it really well, doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, part of my messaging is that through various variables and they're chiefly nutrition and, and lifestyle and booze and all the rest of it many of us in australia and beyond in the western world sort of walk around with this cloud right i kind of describe it as this low level cloud so you never really feel the rays of or the heat of the rays above the clouds yeah so by making a few changes and modifications and these happen over a, a long period of time so it's not too confronting soon enough you get rid of this cloud that's sort of suppressing your full potential. Yeah. And eventually you can feel the rays of the sun. And how that manifests is improved vitality, energy, yep. mood. Um, and so you can slowly start to tap into like your full potential. Yeah. But, but if for as long as that's suppressed by diet and lifestyle, you'll never really get there. Yeah. And so... And I, I feel like I'm, I'm nearly there. Like, I've, you know, I've adhered to a pretty good lifestyle in terms of avoiding certain foods and booze and drugs for, for a long time. And I feel like I've, I've finally tapped into something that it's really hard to explain unless you've sensed it and felt it yourself. Yeah. Like, I've got lots of yogi friends who talk about unconditional love. Yeah. They have love for the universe. And yeah. I, I was like... I've never really understood that. I've never yeah. really wrapped my head around it because I've never touched it. I've never felt it. But now I get pockets of this overwhelming sense of love. Yeah. I can be walking down the street um, and I just want to tell people that I love them <laughs> because I yeah. feel like this, this wave of, I don't know what it is. Like it's very hard to describe, but it's like nostalgia or love or, Gratitude. Whatever. Yeah, gratitude, um, which I've never really felt before. Like, I've obviously been happy in the past, but that's normally derived from an experience. So, yeah, or validation or... Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, you've had a great meal or you've watched a great movie. It's like an external third-party source of your happiness. Yeah. But to have, like, internal, innate happiness yeah. is something that it's new to me. And so... I fucking want to tell everyone about yeah, it. And I think, I, it, I I think it's derived from... It's not one single thing. It's a combination. And everything has to be um, harmonious and in balance to a degree. So you need to have good hydration. You need to have good sleeps, massive nu yep. nutrition, relationship. There's all these silos in our life that need to be, you know, yep. as high as they can possibly be at any given time. Yep. For you to really 
feel what it is to be alive and yeah yeah to but, fully appreciate that feeling yeah yeah i know i think um i i'm really happy i'm really happy to hear that and, and i think that uh for you i'm really happy to hear that for you and i and i can absolutely relate to it um i i think that that for a long time i was a crazy person in my 20s and you know um Mate, i went to your bucks party and your wedding <laughs> i've heard a few stories <laughs> and i i was absolutely addicted to external forms of validation whether it was career or it was relationships or it was money or whatever it was it was all about having some obvious indicia of success and happiness regardless of how it actually made me feel it was something i could show my friends and say Mm. see you know i must be happy now (laughs) because i got this new thing or whatever it was and um you know, I, and I think to your point, part of it is getting older uh, and wiser. Um, I, having said that, I know people in their teens and twenties have already got it. I'm, I'm, I, yeah. I applaud them yeah. for getting there so early. Yeah. But um, but for me, it's been a combination of of you know divorce and um, going through all the wrenching aspects of that, um, including the emotional side and the time away from the kids and the financial side and all the rest of it. I think it's very it was for me it was an extremely humbling process. And then coming out of the other side of that, I decided that I was going to live my life a different way. And out of that period, which was, there's a lot of self-reflection, I'm sure I was a very dull dinner party guest through that, that period, but it was enormously <laughs> productive. Oh my him. God, he's talking about himself again. <laughs> but it was, it was very productive. And out of it, amongst many other things, came Thrive. Um, I met Steph, my now wife. Um, I changed my approach to alcohol. I changed my approach to recreational drugs. Um, you know, I worked in the fashion industry for 15 years. So there's, there's that world and my world today are, are very, very different. And uh, and like you, it's allowed me through, through cleaning myself up and getting a bit more centered and a bit more grounded. I certainly feel an interconnectedness with things now mm. that would have been, I would have thought you were you some- wouldn't even recognize. Oh my God, I thought you were some crazy hippie if you spoke to me about that yeah. when I was 25. Yeah. So it is a, it's a really nice, it's a really nice thing. And I think um, uh, it's available to all of us. You know, it's yeah. not some, there's not some secret potion. Uh, I think the spiritually stopping attaching, um, of course you have to pay the bills, you know, of course mm. we need to put food on the table, but money attachment is a, in my experience, and I've had a lot of exposure to very wealthy people uh, throughout my professional life. Uh, it's, it is an absolute bane of so many people's existence. Now I, I'm not advocating voluntary poverty. I, I'm saying that don't attach to it. You know, uh, be fairly rewarded for your work. You know, make sure you can take care of your loved ones, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But don't attach to it, and don't think that anyone else cares, and don't think you're a better person mm. um, because you're not. Like it's you're the same person you were before you had the dough. Mm. So I, I think money. You're a cunt then. You're a cunt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, or you're an awesome guy yeah, now, yeah, yeah. and you're an awesome guy before. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't. It, it doesn't make any difference. So I think the ego attachment to I'll say material things. It's not just money. It's all the 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 accessories. Of, mm. of, of material things um, and ego attachment to you know your job title or where you live or what private school your kids go to or whether your kitchen has got the latest appliances mm. or whatever it is if you can let go of that stuff and and get back to focusing on getting yourself in a great position and then and then with that heightened sense of 
confidence and strength and you know determination and just get up and go that you have for yourself you'll find that that naturally impacts your other relationships in a positive way you've got more to give to your loved one you've got more to give to your kids mm. you've got more to give to your business mm. you know your charity or whatever it is mm. that you're into but if you're not taking care of yourself first which goes back to what we we're talking about in terms of investing in your health if you're not taking care of your, yourself first as selfish as it sounds you cannot possibly be as selfless as you would like to because mm. you you're not going to be well yeah. you're not going to be around yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it, it, there's there's lots of moving parts to it i mean that selfless part is is huge and i think i've learned to be selfless as a consequence of having a kid yeah all of a sudden it's not all about you you're not the center of the universe anymore as much as there's a bit of a a tug of war to relinquish yeah. that yeah. but um it's all about it's all about my son like what what i wanted for myself in terms of what i want now for myself is to be healthy and strong and happy that's only magnified for him absolutely you know yeah yeah and no, i couldn't couldn't agree more so like i i don't i don't you know i am so not enlightened that's not my suggestion with all of this i, I think i'm suggesting that there is a journey that we can choose to go on mm. if we wish and for me it's become more and more exciting and more and more enjoyable as i've gone along that 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 path and it is available to all of us and it can start with really simple shifts in the way you live your life mm. and they tend to they tend to validate pretty quickly like they tend to manifest and 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 self reinforce really quickly um, and then you can choose how far you want to take it and it's a free mm. country and no one's forcing you baby yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's a nice it's a nice trip yeah absolutely yeah i mean i'm enjoying it i want to change direction uh, quickly because we lost most of your listeners then or? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, fucking hell. I think they're pitching us. Just tanked. <laughs> we can talk about anything now. No one's listening. My mum. Yeah, Hi, mum. Yeah, I think they think we were uh, consuming ayahuasca in a wigwam or something. <laughs> um, you are, we've sort of touched on it briefly, but I know you like to use yourself as a case study and you like to uh, biohack, is one for a better word, like, is there anything that's on the on the list at the moment that you're ingesting, consuming? I do have a Nicorette shel- in my shelving. In my, I have a Nicorette <laughs> in my uh, mouth now. Right. So I've been I've been experimenting with nicotine as a nootropic. So I never smoked. Um, well, actually, that's not true. Like uh, post rugby games when I was eighteen, I'd try to wolf down a cigarette, but I was never particularly good at yeah. it. Did you inhale? I I I, I didn't, Bill Clinton. <laughs> I I did inhale. Um, but I've never enjoyed to, uh, smoking tobacco. I, I never really kind of got it. But I've been reading a lot recently about uh, nicotine mm. and uh, some of its impact. On, in fact, when I first tried it was when I was trying to wrap my head around the guitar. And I'd read some interesting research on the impact on dopamine and how it impacts brain plasticity and the ability to learn new things. So I've, I've just been trying. They're two milligram Nicorettes and I'll have one of them. So it's the, I think, equivalent to half a cigarette and it lasts about half an hour. So it's a very gentle way to absorb the nicotine. But nicotine devoid of four or five other alkaloids mm. that are in tobacco, <clears throat> it's not particularly addictive uh, and it's not particularly bad for you. It's got a side effect profile very similar to caffeine in terms of blood pressure and heart rate. So, um, so that's been really interesting. Uh, in terms of other things, I love the Chaga mushroom coffee mm. that you put me onto. Mm. Um, I've since bought Chaga mushroom as a tincture, actually, yeah, right. and I find it I find it really useful. I use that on and off. Um, what else am I using at the moment? Um, 
I think apart from all the usual things like turmeric and, and um, fish oil and all the anti-inflammatory mm. stuff that I do for more general wellness that aren't probably particularly interesting to your listeners. In terms of performance enhancers, um, I still experiment. Oh, we have a lot of time for that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, Honestly, I think creatine is really useful for me. Um, I don't use it all the time, but if I'm in a strength phase, I, I use creatine. Um, and I found that more, so that's obviously physical performance. If we're talking about brain performance, I've, I've found these Nicorettes and Chaga um, to be really interesting. Okay. So I can see it's in your... Yeah. 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 It's not a defamation of my lip. That, that's gum. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm much more handsome can, without the Nicorette in there. <laughs> I don't need a spittoon or anything. Um, so you can can you feel it coming on? Can you feel it's very gentle. Uh, the first the first couple of times I had it, I felt it like a um, I, I felt like more of a rush, mm. um, but it, it didn't last long, and then it calmed down. Um, it's got a slight burning taste to it, mm. but you get used to it very quickly. And it's safe to have in yeah yeah yeah. And it lasts um, for me. I think if you're if you're a smoker, like they churn through them really quickly. But for me, I'll leave it in there for half an hour or so. Mm. So. Um, I use it selectively. I use it occasionally. It's not a, a habit, but I, I have found it really productive. Yeah, right. So there's some interesting research floating around online if people are interested, but it's um, it's been explored for... that. They found that with schizophrenics in particular, they were self-medicating with tobacco because the impact of nicotine on mm. dopamine levels mm. was acting as a mild form of medication mm. for schizophrenia. And that led to more research around, well, what else does this heightened level of dopamine in the brain do apart from giving you a feel-good... And there's, there's some thinking around how it may mitigate or um, uh, ameliorate some of the effects of early onset dementia. Uh, so if you are genetically prone to that, the heightened dopamine acts like a warm bath for your, mm. your brain, basically, and just slows some of the effects of early onset dementia, which I found interesting. But the final one that really got me across the line was its impact on learning. So particularly as we get older, brain is less plastic, uh, neural network pathways are fairly well established. Mm. If you want to start crossing over and creating new ones, you really have to work at it. And that dopamine, as a um, you know, as a uh, a messenger within the brain, is helpful. So high levels of dopamine are helpful for mm. that. Yeah, they reckon turmeric too, as well. Like it has a multitude of benefits. You know, it's all the buzzword in terms of an anti-inflammatory at the moment, but it yeah. stimulates this. BDN, BDNF, yep. which is brain-derived neurotropic factors. Factors, yeah. Uh, and so it can, within your uh, memory center in your brain, it can start to l- develop, um, repair and develop new neurons. Wow, that's wild. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, good, because like I, I love turmeric. Right? <laughs> <laughs> the fact, well, I've started it. Because um, turmeric, you know, supplement can be expensive. So I've yeah. just started buying a shitload of just raw turmeric yeah, added to everything cutting well just taking it like a peel like, oh okay right so right. I'll, I'll smash up a garlic uh, I'll smash up some turmeric um, I've just started including Jerusalem artichokes okay into my smoothies and stuff because it's full of inulin yep. which is great for your gut um, yeah it's just a I guess what we're going back to is, is food can be therapeutic and uh, medicinal yeah, exactly. you know? yeah, exactly. but it, I guess it takes it to another step further in terms of nootropics it, it's how do you optimize how do you yeah you know like it's a very very interesting area I, I, I think it is and I and I have never been one to shy away from experimentation with <laughs> compounds uh, that are going to have some impact on my brain chemistry or my 
endocrine system or my physical chemistry, but I want to do it in a way that works with the body. So I don't want to, um, I don't like the idea of, of taking something that overrides my natural system. So a lot of drugs and bioidentical hormones basically override your, your own system, right? Like they, they replace what, what you would be doing naturally. Whereas a lot of the phytonutrients, uh, some of the herbs, some of the mushrooms, um, what they do is boost some aspect of what is currently operating mm. on its own. And, and that's, look, it's a fine line. Some would argue, well, who cares? You know, if you get the boost, you get the boost. But I'm really interested in traditional cultures use of plants mm. uh, for various medicinal mm. uh, and healing and even kind of um, ritual celebration type mm. purposes. Mm. So, yeah, I guess that's where I divert from my only real food. Mm. Well, I guess it is real food. No, totally. It's just it's just a an element of a real yeah. food. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. some of those sp- spices, you know, some of the most nutrient dense foods on the planet yeah 100 percent. yeah yeah and really interesting effects you know like um you know saffron in terms of an appetite suppressant but also being utilized for erectile dysfunction i read the other day i'm like oh that's good so you read for a friend (laughs) (laughs) i i I don't need to eat anymore but i've got a raging boner (laughs) (laughs) probably why it's worth its weight in gold (laughs) that might be a nice way to end i reckon <laughs> I'm off to the saffron shop. <laughs> Got to run. <laughs> so are we likely to see Nicorette packets on the on the Thrive Mini? No, <laughs> no, I don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> All right, let's go and smoke some weed in a wigwam. <laughs> We're All done. Right. All right, thank you so much for that, Joss. That oh, was amazing. Pleasure. pleasure. Thanks for having me, Scott. All right, take care.